All right, let's find out what Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun is up to this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. I have a question for you. Yeah. We're talking about, you sound so apprehensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are talking about favorite holiday recipes, right? That thing that you make that everybody asks you to make at this time of year. What is it for you? And you're laughing already. So now I really want to know. I I mean, yes, uh, our family does have an old family recipe for shortbread. Uh, My wife, Dale, uh, Scottish grandmother, I, the main ingredients, this will come as a big shocker to the listener, the main ingredients are butter and sugar. Uh, yeah, flour and cornstarch, but nobody ever ate shortbread for the butter and the, for the flour and the cornstarch. But um, I thought, Simi, I really should give you a recipe <laughs> that I guarantee you okay. nobody else will mention this. All right. Uh, I got it from a Japanese website. And allow me to read the quote from the New York Times. All right. The giant Asian hornet grubs are preserved in jars and pan-fried with rice to make a savory dish. The adults are fried on skewers, stinger and all, until the shell becomes light and crunchy. They leave a warming, tingling sensation when eaten. Happy holidays. Top that. Uh, I can't top that, actually. That's quite unique. I might just have to write that one down. Well, yeah, you know, and uh, they're hibernating right now, but uh, we know they'll be back in the spring uh, in our area, and uh, I'll have to go back into hiding in my house. So um, I thought, well, you know, just in case. Uh, right. Uh, that, that is, by the way, a story in the New York Times. I didn't make <laughs> it up. People in Japan actually eat these and make uh. a certain poetic justice since people in Japan oh. die from being stung by them every year, too. I don't know where you find these things, Vaughn. I don't know where you do this. I don't know how you do this to us. No substitute for a good set of files. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened in Victoria over the weekend, because there was a by-election, right, for a seat on city council that had some interesting results. Yeah, there's been a vacancy on the city council here in Victoria for a while. They were supposed to have a by-election last spring, and it was put off uh, because of the pandemic. And uh, so they finally got around to it on the weekend. A lot of balloting by mail, and the left uh, faction on the Victoria City Council just counted on they were going to win it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've been in control here at the city of Victoria uh, since the last uh, civic election in 2018. I think they took it for granted. Uh, They were surprised. Uh, The left candidate, uh, Stephanie Hardman, lost two-to-one margin to a uh, former journalist, Stephen Andrew, who ran a campaign here in Victoria on bringing some balance back to city council, uh, turning council's attention to the basics of civil, civic government, and um, defending the police. There have been uh, attempts, uh, discussion of defunding the police here. Right. A lot of controversies. We've talked about some of them over the years. I think it was just kind of enough is enough vote by those who did turn out and vote here in Victoria. Okay, so that's going to be a change then on council because, I mean, you're right, this council has made headlines for, well, some pretty interesting ideas in the and last some stupid year, so. ones. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was trying to be polite, but yes, okay. Defunding Remembrance Day, taking on the horse carriages. Uh, yeah. Let's see, what else? Oh, they took aim at Christmas at lights at one point. Not, not all members of council, but it's kind of created sort of an aura in the city that... Uh, the council has been somewhat distracted by peripheral issues. There's a couple of deeper issues of anger. One is the attack on the police. They had a mural at City Hall that that uh, had ACW, ACB uh, in it, which is, I think, all cops are bastards. The, the 
police chief has been complaining here. Another controversy, I don't think this one is going to be resolved easily, but Stephen Andrew, who won the by-election, did campaign on this, made an issue of it. Uh, They've turned Beacon Hill Park into a a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week campground, and uh, well, uh, you know, people like me won't go near the park now because it's not considered safe. So uh, there was only one vote on council for ending the, tw- the round-the-clock campground. So I don't think that will change with just one more vote on council. But I think, as I say, it's, a, it's an enough-is-enough battle. Right. Um, it does uh, suggest that the council should uh, turn its attention back to the basics of civic government and uh, avoid some of these issues that just stir things up and make a fairly small minority of voters happy. Right. Okay. We'll see more about that. That's going to be a change. Let's talk about some provincial politics here too. So, uh, and do we have any kind of an update on this pandemic recovery benefit? I get so many emails about this. Well, yeah, and we do have a bit of an update. So the house is meeting this week and it'll pass because the government has a majority and it's a government bill. So, Uh, That'll take us through to the end of the week. I see, however, that the finance minister, Selena Robinson, has has now said a couple of things. One is how you go about applying, and two, a warning about when you'll get your check. So first of all, there's a government website that will be active and up on Friday. And in order to apply, you will be able to apply online, and here's what you need in your hand when you apply. You need a driver's license or equivalent. You need your social insurance number because it's a tax issue. You need your banking information so you can tell them where to send the check by direct deposit. And you need your 2019 tax return, which is, of course, an issue for people who had a good year in 2019 and a lousy one in 2020. So that's the thing. That's but here's the other thing. If if you can't do online, there'll be a phone in line starting Monday the 21st. Robinson now admits that when you apply, it will be, and this is her words, five or six working days before you get the check. Well, Working uh, days? Yeah. So I haul my calendar no out. Kidding. There's four working days next week. Christmas isn't one. Most people will take a stat holiday uh certainly in government, the following Monday because Boxing Day is on the weekend. Uh, so it looks to me, it takes six working days. Uh, you'll be lucky to get it by December the 30th, the 31st. And if you do the phone line, you might not get it till the new year. So it's not coming as fast as they suggested during the election campaign. I'm sure that'll come as a big surprise to the listener that the government's uh, promises didn't exactly play out the way they promised during the campaign. Also, this is what we are estimating at this point, right? Like, until this thing is actually up and running, we don't know what might happen. (laughs) Yeah, like, what could possibly go wrong with a government (laughs) website that was set up to uh, take applications from... Yeah, they claim that, like, three million British Columbians are eligible for this thing. I assume most people... Um, are going to go, even if they didn't vote for the government, they're going to go, well, if they're handing out checks, you know, yeah. you have to be some kind of an idiot not to apply for it. So the applications will be considerable. Uh, it's possible. I have to allow for the possibility the site could crash. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody who is eligible will get the check. The problem more, Simi, is yeah. the problem that people who had a good year in 2019 and don't qualify but had a bad year in 2020 and need it, those are the ones who are left out in the cold, and I think that's why there's a bit of a backlash around this grant. More to come on that. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.